listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. My name is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the show today. The one thing that we all know is certain in life is uncertainty. We don't know when the next natural or man-made disaster is going to occur. We've seen how the world has changed many times over the last few years. So how do we survive during times of uncertainty? And not just survive, but how do we actually thrive? What if there is a way we could take uncertainty and turn it to our competitive advantage? Well, those are questions we're going to get answers to during our conversation with our guest today, Meredith Elliott Powell. Meredith is a highly regarded business motivational keynote speaker and author. Make sure you connect with her. We have all of her information on the show notes, including her LinkedIn profile. Make sure you connect with her today after you listen to the show. And as always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence, Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. I hope you get some great ideas from my conversation with Meredith today. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love. I have Meredith Elliott Powell on our show today, talking about thriving and uncertainty. Meredith, thanks for joining me on the show. Oh, I'm excited to be here, Scott. Yeah, so uncertainty. I think that's the one thing we can be certain of. Isn't that right? That's absolutely true. It's the only guarantee you have is that things will definitely change. I know. I mean, they might even try to put Joni Loves Chachi back on the air. Who knows how crazy <laughs> things are going to get. So what, what have been some of the things top of mind for you when you're talking to professionals in business? What have you shared with them that can really help them manage uncertainty? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. As I talk to people about uncertainty today... So people are getting exhausted by uncertainty. I mean, it just seems to be getting stronger and stronger. Rather than getting a break from it, we seem to be getting more of it. So there's a couple of things that I'm focused on. Number one with people is I want to help them see uncertainty as opportunity, literally change how they think, feel, and act towards uncertainty. Because for most of us, we see it as a negative, something that's going to actually prevent growth rather than propel it. And and Um, tell me about that. How have you helped professionals do that? You said think, feel, and act. So it sounds like you've actually put some time and thought into this in in your work. How do you help us and those listenings to see uncertainty as opportunity? Yeah, I have put so much time, energy, and work into this. In fact, I started researching uncertainty way back in 2018. And I've actually produced a nine-step proven methodology of what it takes to navigate uncertainty and uncertainty successfully. And all of that is rooted in a book I wrote called Thrive, Turning Uncertainty to Competitive Advantage, where I studied nine companies that have been in business for over 250 years. And when you think about that, Scott, they've come through world wars. They've come through economic depression. They haven't come through one pandemic, but they've come through two. And I wanted to know how they succeeded. And from all those interviews and all that research, I literally produced a formula. If you do this, I can guarantee you, you'll not only shift how you think and feel about it, but you'll have the plan and the strategy you need to emerge successful, no matter the size of the obstacle, where you're located or the industry you're in. So what were some of the common themes among all nine companies? Yeah. So some of the biggest is that they all dealt with reality, meaning they weren't optimistic, they weren't pessimistic, but they literally embraced the suck. 
There's a great term from the U.S. military called embrace the suck, where you literally deal with the challenge in front of you. So for instance, to put it in today's times, if one of those CEOs were alive today, maybe she wouldn't be sitting around complaining about the labor shortage. She would be finding, saying, we have a labor shortage. How do I navigate my way through that labor shortage? And actually, the company that we interviewed in that chapter was Jim Beam and how they dealt with prohibition and why they were the only company that emerged successful and didn't declare bankruptcy when all their competitors were put out of business. How did they do it? (laughs) They predicted the change coming in the marketplace. Nobody believed that prohibition would happen, not even Jim Beam. They'd never thought the government would go that far. But Jim Beam was smart enough to say, what if? What would I do if the unthinkable happened? Such a good question for all of us to be asking ourselves. Like, What if we saw the bottom of a recession next year? What if it was as bad as it could be? What would you do? And that's what he asked himself. So he diversified his income stream and invested in the mining industry, invested in land in Florida, started growing citrus. So when prohibition happened, he had enough money coming in to keep his employees, to protect his recipe, take care of his family. While everybody else was declaring bankruptcy, he started getting ready for when prohibition would be repealed. Wow. So it's about predicting the future, accepting the reality, and not fighting it, but flowing with it. That's great. So when people see this opportunity, there's probably an emotional context at how they view it. When you're consulting to people and they see that the world has turned upside down, how do I manage my emotions Is that a part of the formula? You said think, feel, and act. Yeah, it's such a huge part. I mean, I start, when I originally talk to people, when I start, I always say, left unaddressed, if you don't deal with uncertainty, it produces one emotion, and that emotion is fear. The problem with fear is fear actually blocks us from innovating. The very strategy you need to overcome an obstacle, no matter whether an obstacle is a new competitor, a new piece of equipment, if you're afraid, your brain doesn't work like it needs to work. The other thing is fear disengages employees. It takes what is a problem that is already a big enough problem. But if you're a leader that doesn't have a plan and doesn't have a strategy, people will actually shut down even further. And all of that, as you can imagine, negatively impacts bottom line results. The beauty is what you focus on expands. You know, Scott, my favorite part of all the research I did was learning that success wasn't logical. It didn't belong to the biggest company. It didn't belong to the to the company with the biggest resources. It didn't belong to the company that had the best product. It belonged to the leader that really had a clear vision so they could see past the obstacle. And somehow the mind finds a way to get there. It isn't logical. It just works. So that what that means is, The biggest thing that you need to navigate uncertainty, you control, and that's your mind and what you focus on. So we definitely start with the mindset because if you can't get your head wrapped around it, if you don't believe you're not going to be successful, there's nothing, there's no strategy I can give you that is going to help you move beyond that. Yeah, that's right. I think what you said is probably the most insightful thing I've heard in quite some time. Success is not logical. It is not. Yeah, I've never considered it like that. It is study companies. It's crazy. I mean, like we interviewed and talked to the current CEO of Baker's Chocolate, 
the oldest chocolate company in the United States of America, was founded by a man who showed up from Ireland who had no money and no connections. And literally through one of the strategies we talked about, got the thing completely off the ground. He didn't have two nickels in his pocket. Yeah. Like the very fact that, that that company was built is not logical at all, but it's still here and still standing today. And so you mentioned he used one of the strategies. What are some of the other strategies that you talk about in your book? Yeah, the strategy that he used, there's two I'll mention. There's strategy that he used was competition becomes collaboration. And it is through collaboration. He had this amazing recipe. That's all he had was his mother's recipe for chocolate. He had to collaborate with somebody who had a mill. He had to collaborate with somebody who had water. He had to collaborate with somebody who had some money. And so just through collaboration, he was able to build the company and get it off the ground. So when uncertainty hits, it is not about competing. Like you and I both work in the speaking industry. We're not competing. We have to right. find ways to work together and collaborate. Right. The other strategy, one of my favorites, is how you make money in the middle of uncertainty. And we studied Procter & Gamble. And Procter & Gamble was started by two men, Mr. Procter and Mr. Gamble, who started a company in the late 1800s. The first product they were going to put on the market was soap. And Procter & Gamble never puts a product on the market that they don't ask their customers, why would you buy this? Why wouldn't you buy this? understanding what the problem is. What they found out with soap was people loved soap, but when you lather up, it'll slip out of your hands and fall to the bottom of the bathtub. And people told Procter & Gamble, we want a soap that floats. They took that, shot air into a bar of soap, and ivory soap was born. And by, uh, the, end of the, by the end of the 1800s, they were a million-dollar company. So growth in the middle of an uncertain marketplace is not about having the best product, it is about solving the right problem. And the only way to know the problem to solve is to talk to your customers because when uncertainty hits, their problem changes. Yeah, that's great. So how do we do that? How is it that we can get in our customers and our clients' heads to find out you know, about those problems? It's so easy. You just talk to them. Don't go out to sell anybody anything. Just maybe I call Scott on the phone and I'll say, Scott, tell me what's happening in the speaking industry or tell me how your business is going. That's how I found thriving in uncertainty because in 2018 and 19, I was just talking to customers and everybody was answering the same way. Business is good. Business is great. We're having our best year on record, but oh, this uncertainty. And I just started to think, why does uncertainty have to be a negative? And what could happen if people believed it was a positive? So I found my path simply by listening listen to your customers. Every customer complaint you get, they are telling you what is not being taken care of in the marketplace. Look at Uber. That company was completely built off what taxi cabs were not doing. Yeah, that's right. And I remember all the taxi cabs, they hated Uber. They hated it. And then some of the taxi cab drivers I knew were moonlighting as Uber drivers. <laughs> exactly. And they just filled a need. Yeah. And there's always, always a need in the marketplace. So what's something that has surprised you over the last few years? What's something that you just weren't expecting that, Meredith, that you've seen in business? One of the biggest was the fact that success was not logical. That surprised me more than anything. But the biggest thing that surprised me was strategy number four. And strategy number four is to know your core. Every company that I talk to, every single one that thrives in uncertainty makes decisions exactly the same way. And they use their core values. They don't worry about whether it's logical or whether it's whatever, but they just go, if it aligns with our core values, it's the right decision for us. If it doesn't, they let it go. That is so easy yeah, to say, Scott, 
but it takes so much courage. But I'm obsessed with how powerful your values are. And if you run a company according to your values, you will still be here. But every decision has to pass through those values. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Have you seen companies that maybe they didn't believe some of these strategies, but then they tried it and they saw that it absolutely works. It helps them to manage uncertainty. Have you seen that before? Absolutely. I've seen it with my customers over and over and over again. But let me give you a flip example of that. Yeah, I was going to ask for that. You read my mind. Great. Yeah. (laughs) So I was interviewing, I had Brooks Brothers all set to go into the book. Brooks Brothers was founded in the mid 1800s and they'd they survived the Civil War by making uniforms for the Union Army. I mean, they were just so creative and innovative and flexed. And, but shortly before the pandemic hit, they started to allow the company to be run by their investors. Mm-hmm. And I missed that. So I had them all researched, all ready to go in the book. I was so excited because we had been a Brooks Brothers family my whole life. And um, I loved the stories of how he got his sons into it and everything. But at the beginning of the pandemic, they ignored the, the signs of the online sales phenomenon. And their investors, their, you know, the people that were investing in the company really wanted the real estate in the company in the cities and places around the world. So they doubled down on the real estate. So they missed the condition yourself for change. They missed the fact that the marketplace was changing and they didn't go with it. The other is, They didn't listen to their customers. They didn't secure their base, which was understanding the problem. In order to feed the beast of the real estate, they started to bring down the quality of the product. And their core customer base told them, we stay with you because of the Oxford shirt and the quality of the Oxford shirt. You know, we've been at Brooks Brothers, you know, for years and they, they lost their core customer. And they ended up declaring bankruptcy. My publisher said, you must have been devastated. And I said, no, I wasn't. I said, I didn't tell you that the companies would be here forever. I told you the companies, when they follow the strategies, you will stay here. You have to do all nine and you have to do them in order. Yeah, that's great, Meredith. I mean, that's such a great story. I mean, Mm -hmm. it really kind of validates and gives credibility to what you've just mentioned with us. Yeah. So tell us then, let's say we have an executive or an attorney that's listening to this that sees the uncertainty. And we want to kind of bring it to an action step level. What would be three action steps that you would want people to take to really uh, truly understand some of these ideas and really give themselves an edge over the competition as it relates to thriving and uncertainty? Well, you know, the biggest action I would, I would tell them is really to, you know, honestly get the book and go through the nine strategies. Yeah. But if I were going to give you three of my favorites, I mean, number one is get a vision. Get really, really clear on who you want to be in the middle of this pandemic and be clear on who you want to be after this pandemic and focus on that vision every day. Let me ask you about that. So what when you say a vision, are you talking about in terms of revenue? Or are you talking about in terms of market share? What do you mean when you say get a vision? Yeah, we call it literally a relentless vision. Where do you see your business? Where do you see your customers? Where do you see your impact a year from now? And I'm not talking about anything that is beautiful that hangs on your wall. I am saying what are you trying to accomplish and what are you trying to do? There's a great story in the book about a whitewater rafting trip and everybody's been on a whitewater rafting trip. I won't go into the details, but on a whitewater rafting trip, as soon as you go into the rapids, they point out the rapids and then they immediately focus you to the calm water. And they explain it like this. You have to see the obstacles, but if you focus on the obstacles, you'll hit them and you'll get stuck. So they refocus you to the calm water because somehow your raft finds a path there. 
Your business works the same way. That's your vision. You have to be aware of the obstacles, but focus on the path. So Meredith, what would be our second action step? We've got number one is get a vision. What's number two? Definitely make decisions according to your core values. It's the most courageous thing that you do. And your core values take the guesswork and the procrastination out of it. So get clear on those values and use those and as a way to make a decision. Then have the courage. If it doesn't align, let it go. Yeah, and great. Then, yeah. And then the last strategy I'll say would be to listen to your customers. Listen, listen, listen. You are going to sell the same product and service, but you're going to need to repackage it. You know, I love that you work with attorneys because I think they're brilliant at this. Yeah. I mean, when the market is going great, everybody works in real estate. When the bottom falls out of the market, everybody works in bankruptcy. They're still attorneys, but they're, they right. understand that the market shifted. We have to do that too, no matter the product or service you sell. Listen to your customers. They'll tell you how to grow. Well, Meredith, this is great. And tell us about the offerings that you have. Tell us about the name of your book again. And we're going to make sure we're going to put that link on the show notes. And what are some of the other offerings that you have that you'd like our listeners to know about? Yeah. So Thrive, Turning Uncertainty to Competitive uh, Advantage. We've got a workbook that goes with it. I'm going to give you a QR code to put into the show notes. If people just use that link, they can get a copy of all the worksheets and an overview of the video around those chapters. And we're just now turning it into uh, an online course as well. So certainly I offer it in keynotes and workshops, but we're trying to get it out there in every medium that can be offered so that people can get an opportunity to to experience it in a way that works for them. That's great. And so you do speaking at events, do you do consulting or coaching also to organizations? Yeah, I do keynotes, I do workshops, I do full day facilitations around the strategy and one-to-one, one-to-one coaching. That's fantastic, Meredith. We're going to put all of your contact information, including your LinkedIn link on the show notes here. So everybody listening, make sure you connect with Meredith. Thanks for being on the show. And we're definitely going to have you back in the future. Thank you. It's been great, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.